When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. So hello, everyone, and welcome along to another edition of the Integral Health Podcast with me, Ben Calder. And it's my absolute pleasure today to welcome my longtime friend and colleague, Phil Clubley, along to the show today. Hi, Phil. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. It's so nice to have you here. Like, Phil, 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 <laughs> another kinesiologist. He is also the uh, current chairman of the Kinesiology Federation here in the UK. And he and I have exchanged ideas about kinesiology for, it's got to be over 10 years now. It's got to be over 10 years, yeah. It's been, yeah. it's been like, we, we, were, we were children, I'm sure, when we, uh, <laughs> when we first met. <laughs> And I think in comparison to how, how, how I am now, how we were then, yeah, yeah definitely seems like a, a youthful juvenile state of development. That's really the case. So, Phil, just for, for anybody, you know, because today we're going to talk about kinesiology. I've not, I've not taken a show uh, to talk about kinesiology before, which is, which is kind of my main therapeutic intervention with people. Um, and so it's really nice to, to have you here so we can have this discussion. Um, but just for people that have maybe not come across kinesiology before, what would be your kind of potted introduction to what you do and, and why it's good for people? <laughs> the, the old chestnut of how to describe kinesiology <laughs> in two sentences. Um, normally what I say uh, about kinesiology is it, it's just a way of accessing a person's subconscious when when some people are working uh, with muscle testing they they say we're working with the energy system or the higher self and I and I also you know go with that terminology as well but I just think it's a lovely way of of getting into our subconscious finding out things that may be affecting us that we're not conscious of when we're conscious of something we can address it we know it we know it's there but when something's unconscious we're not always able to to address it and with muscle testing um we're, we're able to access that part of the the energy system the subconscious and and get a response from from the body um i guess in in terms of um if I'm introducing somebody to it, then I'll just ask what's what's going on in their life and 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 give them an example of, of where kinesiology has maybe been useful uh, in the past. But I mean, as you as you'll know, um, it's it's just it's just got such a broad range of of applications because whereas the muscle testing aspect isn't actually healing, it's it's finding out what a person needs to do in order to bring some balance in into their life. So it can be nutritional change, it can be exercise or activity, it can be relationship related. Um, you know, it, it can be um, the way people uh face face problems that they're coming at them from the wrong angle so uh yeah yeah in a nutshell <laughs> I, I i love that as well in the fact that we're we're identifying with the unconscious in there because because i would also in my work talk about it like we're, we're talking to the unconscious but i think people sometimes see that as an ethereal thing mm. rather than actually a very solid physical thing like you're unconscious of the mechanism that makes your hair grow you're yeah. unconscious of the mechanism that produces digestive enzymes or replaces your skin cells so the unconscious is a purely physical thing as well you know and when we consider how many biological processes are taking place in our body per second we have absolutely no idea about you know we really are working into that aspect of the unconscious you know it it's its physical self as well as its kind of mental emotional self as well as its environmental awareness you know from what we're breathing in or what we're taking in in water as well as our cultural relational thing you know how many yeah absolutely i mean at the end of the day we're we're we're, we're a, a passenger in our own body you know it's like you know my my body and and everything that goes on that that's not me my my the, the aspect that makes me me just happens to be present in this body you know which which is a factory that's running 24 hours a day 
and I'm absolutely clueless to most of what's going on in there, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, our, our conscious mind is a tiny, tiny percent of what's going on. So once we can start um, actively um, finding out information through feedback from this amazing system, we can make huge changes with minimal effort. It's what I love about it. I love the minimal effort aspect. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think people as well, we, we have evolved into a, a culture, into a type of being that sees itself at the apex of its own evolutionary development. And from that point of view, and I love Peter Levine talking about this, he, he talks about the body not being a top-down system that's controlled mm. through consciousness down, but actually a bottom-up system. And he, he kind of quotes research within that that shows that the body will actually start to react to things in its environment a good half a second before the mind starts to create any conscious awareness of that or frame any thought around that. So, and, and I, I really think we've lost a lot of connection to what is going on in that body awareness, that enteric nervous system. Uh, and so we're, we're just this kind of high-flying celebrity, as you say, the passenger in our own body, walking around, not realizing that there's this whole crew of people that are facilitating every single step that you take, you know, that's where we are. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, and you know, like you say, the brain or the, the conscious brain is always so far behind everything else. I mean, there's loads of research at the moment about the gut being the first brain. And that kind of makes a lot of sense because very often we'll, we will absolutely feel something before we're, we're consciously aware of why we feel that that thing. And, you know, I always say you know the, the gut is the first brain that responds to a situation it feels something it intuits something the heart then gets involved and starts putting some feeling into that and then our brain gets involved and our brain's like Aah! you know it's like this larry <laughs> thing that has no idea what's going on and it's just got the loudest voice and and your intuition's going no no please listen to me and the brain's going Aah! and it's just like yeah it's like you, and again that's what's brilliant about kinesiology is taking the brain out of it you know when you've got a client in and and they kind of go how do i know i won't be influencing the work that's coming up and it's like your brain won't stand a chance it's like i will be so far ahead of where your brain is by the time your brain's listening to my question i'll be another two questions in and so i think that's what's brilliant about it is is you, you're almost taking out that conscious link that could potentially start to um, influence the way a session goes yeah sure and i think it's important though for anybody listening to realize that as kinesiologists this doesn't mean that we have unfettered access into your your system your, your body is always caring for you uh, at quite a, a high degree. It's not just going to allow us to willy-nilly. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I, it's like if I, if I do do muscle testing, training on, on, on workshops or talks or anything, it's like you only ever ask questions that you've got permission to ask and you, you ask them openly of that person. And it's like as soon as you're, you're asking questions, that um, the client hasn't given you permission to ask, you're going to get nonsense responses because that energy system will absolutely defend itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I don't think people actually realise how their how much their bodies are already doing what we do anyway. And like one of the descriptions that I talk to with my clients, especially when they first come in to see me, it is about how you've had these responses and your body's actually showing you all mm. of this stuff already all the time. Like if you get a bad piece of news, there's that, uh, that yeah. in the system. You get good news. Yay. You see somebody you don't like. Uh, you <laughs> like, yay. You go to a place that you're not comfortable in. Uh, you go to a place you love. Yay. So th those mechanisms are already present for you throughout your whole life. We're just never taught to observe them, which I see as part of our role as kinesiologists mm. is to, to help people recognize that they were already doing what we were doing just in a, yeah. a little different way yeah and, and I, I, I can I think sort of slightly further to that as well is 
is you know having that feeling of walking into a space and going you know feeling uncomfortable but actually then acknowledging that that's the way you feel um because again as human beings we're very good at thinking oh this feels uncomfortable i'll do something to mask the discomfort <laughs> uh, instead of actually thinking oh why is me met meeting this person made me feel uncomfortable it's like oh i'll turn around and walk in this direction instead and and again, what the, the subconscious mind then is doing is it's going, right, this information, we've taken this information in, it hasn't been processed. So now we're going to have to hold on to it to, 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 until a time when it is processed. Mm. And then, you know, old Larry brains going, oh, we don't need to worry about that. Have a beer, watch some telly. And so this, the, the unconscious then saying, right, we'll store that in our little filing cabinet. Yeah. And then every little thing that happens, you know, uh, I, I always say about trauma that sometimes people think that trauma is like a massive event. It's like a car accident or a divorce, but it's like any impact on the body that the body takes as a detrimental uh, stimulus is trauma. And if, if we don't deal with it and address it, it's going to continue to be locked up to a mm. point where we have no choice but to address it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I also recognize that within the body as well, we we can respond and we can be triggered on a, an unconscious level with things that aren't a problem and aren't a threat. And, and mm. there's a balance between that bulldozing on anyway with where the mind wants to go and constantly responding to what the body thinks is taking place and having a middle ground where we actually check in and go you know is there something in this that's valid because like you say there could be birth trauma there could be other stuff and you know when Peter Levine talks uh, uh, about trauma he talks about it as a shock that never got integrated so uh, yeah. given the space to actually be explored and to then unpack and process and even really quite strong stuff if it's given the right environment immediately the body will process through it really quick but if it doesn't like you say it holds on and it stores that and then it can start to build layers up around it and it becomes a much bigger issue yeah absolutely um is it peter levine who wrote the uh the trauma book the yeah the in an unspoken voice and waking the tiger yeah 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 that's it yeah because I, I, I was just thinking about about that and the trauma and the way animals deal with it um which which you really see our cats brought um a bird in the other day and uh it was still very much alive in our kitchen and um and i sort of put a towel on it and i took it outside and i wasn't sure what condition it was in at that point and sort of opened the towel up and it hopped on the bird feeder and you kind of almost just saw it sort of freeze for a moment decide what it needed to do and then it, it just shot off like a bullet from a gun and I, I thought yeah you're going to be fine because it released all its trauma in the speed that it had left and and I know from my my own experiences uh, you know if, if I've had a, a traumatic experience and I'm sort of thinking one specifically um, a few years ago when my daughter was ill and I actually went into a very shaking shaky response and and even though it's not very useful at the time to kind of be be shaking away you also know that it's your body actually processing that stuff and and I, you know I think I, I I came out of that better than I could have done had I just really uh held on to the trauma of that situation and I think you know it it you know, I was in a car accident as well. And again, there's that thing where you, 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 you know, you get out of the car, and you kind of make sure you've got all, all the bits you went in with. And, and then you go into that, that, that sort of shock response. And it's, it's, again, it's really important, I think, to, to have the body release that, that nervous energy that's built up through that situation. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, trauma as a, as a concept and an idea. Yeah, really. Yeah. So, so I want to just, just take a little step back as well. What got you interested in doing kinesiology? What, what was your driver at the time? And, and what's kept you motivated to keep practicing now for, for all these years? I mean, and again, just, you know, remind us when you, you first qualified so we, we get an idea of that time scale. Yeah, um, well, unfortunately, I was one of those husbands who was dragged to a session uh, by my wife. Uh, so when you say what what was the driver that led you to it it was literally my wife <laughs> uh, so um 
yeah, back in 2007, my wife had some really serious uh, intolerances to to foods and she was really struggling and she was really unwell with it. And as she was trying to find out what she could and couldn't eat, um, she was sort of losing weight. And, and her, as she has diabetes as well, it was really interfering with her diet and her control. And so she tried a few various things and she was in a health food shop and they suggested kinesiology. And um, like a lot of people who'd never heard of it, struggled to Google it because you can't even spell it. Uh, and I, I, the fact that we're saying it differently as well, just, you know, <laughs> it just, you know, you, you say kinesiology, which a lot of people do, and a lot of people still say kinesiology, although I think your, your pronunciation is, is more accurate. Um, so she came home, Googled it. We found a practitioner in York. She went and within a couple of sessions, it, it turned her, her diet around. At the same time, I was suffering with uh, a shoulder injury, um, which I think I'd, I'd had for a couple of years. I, where I used to work in a, a cinema um, in Leeds and we used to carry films downstairs and films were, were huge, you know, could easily be sort of five foot across and you'd have one under your arm. And I tripped on a step and the, the film hit the step and jarred up into my shoulder and, and it caused uh, a problem. And I'd been seeing a chiropractor for all that time and it would kind of, it would ease it or, or it would suddenly move to the other shoulder, which was always very, very bizarre. And, um, and so my wife said, oh, go and try some kinesiology and see if that'll sort it out. And I kind of harumphed and, and thought I couldn't possibly do it. You know, it's not even, it's, this is, you know, the, the kind of kinesiology it was, it wasn't a physical therapy. It was all about thinking and, and I, I'm sure there were some crystals involved and it all sounded like absolute hokum to me. <laughs> and so I, I begrudgingly went and paid my money and just had the most enlightening experience of my life. Uh, it was you know it was like it was so weird but kind of so pertinent and so I went for I ended up needing four sessions for the for the work I, I was I was going in with and by the second session I was like really really loving it um by the third session I think I'd already decided I wanted to learn how to do it it just seemed like such an amazing thing and I was talking to everybody I could about it so you've got to have kinesiology you've got to have kinesiology and I just thought maybe I should learn how to do kinesiology and then maybe I could start helping people. So it, it, it kind of it happened really, really quickly. I think my first session was in April or May 2007. And I think by July, I'd booked on to my first health kinesiology course, which would have been with you, Ben, but you were full. <laughs> so, Back in the days when I was still the, 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 yeah. Or the dates wouldn't tie in or something, something happened. Um, so yeah, I ended up going with somebody else, but we worked together in the end. The, the, the planets aligned. And, um, and so, and uh, yeah, just absolutely loved it. Just absolutely thrived on, on learning how to do it. I enjoyed working with clients. Um, and I qualified in 2009, and pretty much sort of just just took off um in terms of what keeps me passionate i think it's just seeing people improve it's it's seeing people come in with something that they they have no expectation of of seeing an improvement they've seen everybody or they've done everything they can think of and and it just makes a change it makes a shift or it makes sense and I just you can't put a price on that it's just so satisfying you know uh when you just you get those people who just have this amazing life transformation you know whether their relationships improve or whether they end their relationship because they know that relationship's not working whether it's a, a physical thing that's been stopping them doing something you know a lot of people I work with it's, it's about personal development and growth and it's getting them suddenly powering through something they didn't think they they could do and it's just it's just continually thrilling you know it just it doesn't get boring every session well the structure's the same the sessions are different and I just I just love it and and it's I, I find it quite an easy job to do you know it's like I don't have to sit there thinking oh right this person's coming with this what do I need to do to help this person what what do I have to do it's like right I sit down and I communicate with the body. The body tells me what, what is stressful. It highlights the stress. And then it tells me what we need to do to correct that stress. 
you know, it's it's perfect. I, <laughs> apparently, I like being told what to do. <laughs> you believe that? You believe anything? You know, there, there's some there's something about in uh, in the big mind work, uh, the Zen training that I've done with Genpo Roshi. One of the the voices, one of the spaces that we talk into, is the follower of the way. And mm. there's something about being the follower of the way that's that's just a place of ultimate relief because we don't have to do any thinking. We, we follow the signs. And, yeah. And we are, you know, the, there's another school of kinesiology that in its subtitle calls itself the way of the tracker. Mm. That, that's a beautiful way of describing what we're doing in kinesiology. I mean, you know, I my, my father was an, uh, an engineer in the RAF, so I often reduce it back in, in one sense to, to mechanistic terms and, and talk about it that we're circuit testing or we're doing mm for the space where where the normal flow or the normal behavior within the system is breaking down and then what is it that's causing the break and what is it that, that we need to re-establish flow again what, whatever that is again whether it's physical emotional mental mm. uh, environmental relational subtle you know there there isn't a space where if we have the openness to be with it that we can't work into and we can't explore so it, it's perfect in that way yeah yeah it's lovely i mean thinking again about the body as that sort of factory analysis or or a vehicle and it's 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 like if, if part of that factory system isn't working it's like if, if you're looking at the body say as a, a car plant and and they've, they've got the vehicle bodies ready and they're waiting for the engine but there's a delay because there's a problem in wherever the engines come from then that system stops working the system that follows that stops working and eventually the whole system shuts down because one component hasn't been able to to track along uh, and, and keep up with the system and as soon as you find out what that breakage is and like i said circuits is a great way of looking at that once you fix that circuit and, the, and the, the factory starts running again, all of those components start to follow through. And, and you know, so that we can enjoy riding along in our body, clueless as to what's, <laughs> what's going on. Definitely. So, and, you know, over the years, you know, and again, you and I have had many conversations over the years about various bits, but I know that my practice has evolved and there are, there is, you know, I, yeah. Anybody that listens to me long enough or, or reads any of this stuff knows that I'm a little bit of a rebel and knows that, that I like to test boundaries and I like to test the edges of things to, to find out if they're congruent. And a, and a lot of what I've done over the, the last 18 years, as well as test the things that I wasn't sure about to find out whether or not the rules that were given to me, you know, really do apply. And, and I've certainly changed a lot of that over time. And now there are certain pieces of work I do in certain ways, other pieces of work I do in other ways, because I've found that those tend to be the most clinically effective and they tend to give me the most consistent results over a, over a period of time. Mm. But in, in your experience and in your practice, what do you consider to have been your evolution? What have you changed or expanded or let go of? Or, you know, because you, you kind of talked a little bit about working more within personal development within people as well. So, so is there anything in particular that's changed for you over these last kind of 13, 14 years about how you practice and what you practice that is different from where you began? Mm, it's a good question. Um, I, th I, I kind of feel in essence that um, I, I haven't changed the structure of what I do. Um, I, I trained in health kinesiology. We had a very specific menu and then we could attach anything into that menu. And in terms of, of working through that menu, I still pretty much stick to that format. I think possibly what has changed for me is um, at the time we, we I guess one way I describe it is when I was doing my training, I very much saw my, my, my kinesiology as a set of boxes, which I worked through and I was contained by those boxes. And once I'd finished all my training and I became a registered practitioner, I almost took the sides off those boxes. So I still had the framework, very much the structure of what I'd learned, but I took away anything that was confining me. And, and I think what really opened up again was it was almost that subconscious thing it was it was exploring the person's psyche in a different way rather than thinking of it just in energy terms thinking about a person 
as a, as an individual and their experiences and it, and it opening up that way. Um, a lot of what we do in kinesiology is holding points or, or tapping points to create again those circuits. And I found, or through through my practice, that it wasn't always necessary to hold points. It's like there are so many different ways of bringing in the energy that a person needs as we've said it's like the body contains most of what it needs it's, it's more about repairing it or, or bringing that information to the front or repairing the information and I just found that you could do that with so many more other tools that um, I think it kind of opened up the energy aspect of of what we could do um, I'm not really sure that answers your question or, uh, or, or, you do or beautifully not. So, because in a way it sort of mirrors some of what I did that that initial structure because you and I you know for both of us our, our primary kinesiology were, was health kinesiology mm. as it was and it's natural bioenergetics now isn't it, it is and now yes shifted into it so you know that that concept of a menu that for me was an internalized flow diagram that yes. we went from here to here to here to here but where those here's were has over the years evolved because of other options. And yes. you know, as you know, now I'm a, I'm a really big kind of proponent of the epigenetic works of Chris. Asperger yes. Because that biochemistry side of it and that restoring the functioning of the body to me has, has got a, a lot of interest, but that doesn't close down any of those psychological or subtle energy or environmental aspects that are still there. They, they just have a proportion that, that comes up when they're needed. And uh, mm. the types of clients that I tend to attract, you know, you'll, you'll get varying amounts of it. And I, I think that as much reflects where my development went as much as then the types of people that I ended up seeing. So it, it was for me back in the early days, it was a lot more subtle energy work Yes. Uh, in terms of those more kind of new age pluralistic concepts within kind of chakras and subtle bodies and other aspects like that. And, and now I find that I less need to describe things in those terms to be able to affect those uh, aspects within an energy system, you know, which, which for us is that total psychophysiological being mm. rather than something that's separate from the physical. Yeah, yeah. Because I found as well, um, once I started doing interpersonal skills, that I became really interested in the counselling aspect as well. So rather than just getting a client in, popping them on the, on the couch and seeing what the body had to tell us, it is interesting to see what is in the conscious brain and getting the conscious brain almost it's almost like exercising it it's like you know there are levels of the subconscious and there are those subconscious ideas that poke into the brain but don't quite reside there and so people are kind of aware of things and um and i, and I just think yeah, the counseling aspect getting people to think and challenging them on their thoughts and their beliefs just can help to set up little ideas that again it just changes the energy it's like because energy is everything it doesn't take much of a change of energy to have a knock-on effect and an impact uh you know like i guess like stack dominoes you know you, you push one over and it, it can have a massive impact on the next domino um but also the shadow work that i've done with you um it it just opens up again another dimension of where people are you know you listening to them talking hearing where they have problems in their life and then thinking actually this problem comes straight back to you that gives us a starting place you know they don't need to know what shadow is or necessarily work with shadow in that way but it's enough to get an idea from that person where their their mind is and i just find that a really useful place to start with with people I, I think kinesiology from a, a, a men's point of view uh, I find this with with men I've worked with is they don't want a talking therapy they they you know they don't want to discuss their feelings they don't want to talk about their problems they just want to lie on the couch because again their wife's told them to come or their girlfriend or their partner or whatever and and you know they're kind of doing it out of an obligation and the number of times you'll or I'll see somebody and I'll hardly have a conversation with them at all they just they just will not open up and you do the work and then you see them for the next session and there's a little bit more opening up, you know, they, they talk to you. And then after three or four sessions, it can be difficult to actually <laughs> get them to stop talking. So you can do any actual work, you know, we, we know it's all work anyway. But, um, you know, it, it's incredible to see that, you know, when you give them permission 
to not speak. It's like, I don't need you to speak. I had a, a chap in a few weeks ago and he said he'd done some talking therapy and hated it. And I said, that's fine. I said, I don't need you to talk to me. I said, I will ask you how you're feeling and I'll ask you, you know, whether anything's come up. You can tell me to fuck off if you want. It's like, it's absolutely fine. Tell me what you want. Don't tell me what you want. Tell me to jog on. I, you know, it's your session. And uh, he didn't need to tell me stuff. It's like as I was connected in with his energy and I was working with him, I could feel his anger. I could feel his rage that he bottled up. And I was able to say, you know, it feels very angry, your energy. It feels like, you know, what, what you've come with is this this huge sense of, of being let down by someone. And, and, and that's what it was. And it's like, you know, and you could see he was like a bit shocked that I, I, I kind of hit upon it. But again it's that energy you, you know you've, you as a practitioner you're you're feeling it you, you you're aware of it it's like if you're processing these emotions then I'm not going to feel them but if you're not processing them they're just going to bleed out and the fact that I can feel it means it's bleeding out into the environment and eventually everybody's going to feel it um you know I, I did I did some work with uh, a young lady uh, beginning of the year and she'd been in a house fire and um and she'd been locked in her bathroom while her flat was on fire and all the power had gone off and it was incredibly traumatic for her and we only did one session and i i said oh you know with your energy it feels like this is what's going on in your life and she went oh my god it's taken three years of counseling for my counselor to have said that to me and you've done it in one session and it's like it's not because i'm a genius or anything it's because your energy system's desperate it's desperate to release this stuff and i i just can sometimes hear it and if i can't hear it your body will tell me through muscle testing it's how can you ever get bored of it ben uh do you know i never have you know i'm one of the <laughs> i think like you one of the few people that doesn't mind coming back to work after a holiday uh, because of the nature of the work we we do mm. so enjoyable and and i think you you kind of really covered such an interesting point that you know, as a series of tools, we've we've got some great tools within kinesiology, but I think one of the things that's been most important to me over the years is actually my developmental understanding of psychology and mm. how we develop psychologically, the different stages we go through, different levels of inclusion, even from kind of egocentric to ethnocentric to world-centric and so on, and just how we look at the world differently. And this is why it's been so important for me to do things like the relationships training I've done, yeah. to do the shadow work, to do the integral transpersonal work that I've done, to, to look at all these other dimensions of just the mind. Yes. You know, and we, we, you know, at the beginning of the, the podcast, we're talking about how, you know, we, we, we've got the Larry kind of, uh, kind of character. <laughs> Still the passenger in the body and and having access to all that body information is great but we can also help and you know in in, in my analogy with with people I, I talk about you know in the vehicle are you servicing do you put quality parts in what's the quality of the fuel yes. you know, and that's the the mechanistic side of the vehicle but the other side of it is how good a driver are you yes you be doing all the servicing all the parts all the things that look after the vehicle and then driving like an idiot yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant analogy. Driver, yeah, but not do any of the servicing, and then on top of that, the fifth quality that I then look at is what were the roads like, you know, <laughs> because we we can't get away from those aspects of the internal self, that subjective self, the objective self, which is the muscles and the the physical stuff that we're in, uh, but then also that environmental side of mm. it as well, the collective that we're all then engaged in. And uh, it, it really is interesting to to be able to work with all of those components and hold all those pieces in awareness so we know that any of them could be the trigger. Do we need to change the roads? Do we need to change how you look after the vehicle? Or do we just need to improve your driving? You know, <laughs> it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. Yeah. So you, you also, I mean, one, one of the things, again, you know, I uh, even if, I don't know even if I can find the words for it I'm really proud of you as a as, oh, a, as another man as a person that's developed and done the work you've done and offered the work you did so 
So it was really, really exciting to me when uh, in 2018 uh, you were taken on board on the uh, the board of the Kinesiology Federation. Mm -hmm. And in 2019 you became chairman of the Kinesiology I know, it all sounds so grown up. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we've got beards, look at us. <laughs> and reading glasses. <laughs> yeah, sure. well these are actually just blue light glasses on me. So oh, fair enough. Well. No, mine, mine are very focal, I'm that old. <laughs> So, so tell me, tell me what it's like for you to have, have actually come to that place, and and you know, I, I kind of look at our developments as as creating increasing layers of complexity. So when mm. it was just me, it's one thing. When it's me and others, it's another thing. When it's me and this group, it's another thing altogether. So what's it been like for you to kind of move up from that point where you 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 decided to do your kinesiology because you were really interested in that side of it to now be, you know, chairman of the, the largest uh, kind of kinesiology organization in the UK? Mm. Well, it's, it's interesting you say it because I, I actually met my original kinesiology practitioner for a coffee the other week and uh, and I said to her oh isn't it weird that one day I turned up at your house for a session begrudgingly and now I'm chairman of the kinesiology federation it's like that is such a weird um you know path um and and I think you're right about that you know to start with it's almost just you and then you branch out and you meet other practitioners and you, and you branch out and I I think my my reason for wanting to be on the policy board initially was that there are so many different schools of kinesiology and even though in essence we're all doing the same thing we all have different ways of doing it and I just I'm very much about community and, and inclusivity and I just thought just be part of an organization that has all these different schools but sort of separate and I thought if there's a way of of, of making it more of a collective and making us all more on the same page then that's something I would I would really like to see um, and I and I feel that that that's happening you know I, I really feel it with when we have meetings and we talk to the schools and 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 everything that's going on that that there really is a, a nice melding of of ideas um, what was your question <laughs> what's it been like <laughs> what's it been like yeah. yeah yeah so yeah it's been good but it, it has been good I mean it, what what's really interesting is you know I'll suggest an idea to the board and then they'll just all go oh yeah and they just agree with me and it's like you know sometimes I have to tell my wife it's really you know it's amazing because people do agree with me sometimes <laughs> and um you know it's like it, it's the fact that we can have an idea or have a discussion and actually move things on in a really positive way and 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 to be part of that is it feels really significant you know it feels like there is this legacy and the kinesiology federation is 30 years old this year and i've been interviewing some of the founding members and people who were on the policy board back then and it's really heartening to to hear where they came from the reasons they felt we needed the federation in the first place um to think that we're kind of still carrying that torch for the work they've done and that we're laying the groundwork for the next 10, 20, 30 years for the people that, that follow the current policy board members. And, and yeah, it, it's really empowering and really it, it's very satisfying to think that we're doing things that, that are keeping kinesiology going and, and hopefully growing it and, and, and raising the awareness of it. It's, it's a nice thing to be a part of. It's hard work as well. <laughs> and and I, I think that it's, it is so important to have good, healthy organisational structures that can help to uh, support people, to lead people, mm. to uh, give people that space for being part of a collective, because it, it can be a little bit of a, a lone working position in some ways. So mm is really nice to to take part of that and you know I certainly know the the main uh, governing body that I'm uh, with these days the uh, Association of Physical and Natural Therapists who are the oldest UK uh, therapy body and and the largest and I know that in the last year it, it's been an incredible upsurge mm. of work for them given that uh, physical therapists close contact therapists uh, when uh, the the covid situation began and a lot of us had to then close down work 
when we were looking at reopening again in July, of course, all the manual therapy work is actually in the same category as uh, strip clubs and uh, commercial sex work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it's the APNT who, who really spearheaded lobbying the government to get those, those categories changed uh, and to put us into our own bracket of work so that as therapists, we weren't being considered as beauticians and hairdressers or as sex workers. Mm. And those were essentially the two category definitions that they were trying to find us in rather than seeing the value of the work that we do to health. And Yeah, know, I think it, it, did, it, that's, it did say an awful lot about where our industry is placed. Yeah, yeah. And, and just yeah. The, the value within that. And, and the APNT went as far as to uh, help us to connect into a union. So we're now part of community, which is a, a, a trade union within the UK. So we mm. actually have union representation within what we're doing. But, you know, from the Kinesiology Federation's point of view, how, how were your challenges over the, the COVID period? And, and how have you, how do you feel that you've been able to support the, the members within that through that? Yeah, I mean, again, like you say, it was an incredibly tough year and we had an awful lot of meetings. And um, again, it, it just showed how how little information we were getting from the government that we had to spend that long trying to unpick it and make sense of it and make um, guidelines and advice for our members that meant that they were keeping themselves safe, weren't getting into trouble with any authorities, but were still able to work. And it was almost like, I almost felt like on a two weekly basis, you'd get a question from somebody that would just throw it all up in the air again. And you'd have to go back over all the guidelines, try and work out what was what. And yeah, it, it, it was it was incredibly difficult. And we got loads of lovely feedback from people. And I think that's another reason for being the member of any kind of organisation like that is it, it means you're not on your own. You're hopefully getting some help and some guidance from an authority or, you know, a body that just helps you know where you're working and just makes you feel part of something rather than, you know, God, am I having to do this on my own and make these decisions on my own? Um, the, the Federation is also part of the IHC, which is the Integrated Health Collaborative which uh, is an all parliamentary body. So our connection with that's been really useful as well. So that's been lobbying the government. And again, as with your body, trying to get as classified as an essential uh, part of, of people's lives. You know, it's like people don't come to see people like us for a jolly. You know, they come to see us because they've got stuff going on that they need to work through. And um you know some people may do may see it as a luxury but for a lot of people it's more than that it's it's essential part of their their well-being and and their you know keeping them safe you know you only have to look at suicide figures and things like that for the last sort of 16 months which we don't need to go in we won't bring it down but again it just shows that there's an there's an element of our well-being that was not considered mm -hmm. and i think we were all working really hard to try and get that recognized as something that was was as valuable as as supermarkets for some people you know sure i mean i, I find it quite interesting as well I, I can't remember if it was early in 2019 or early in 2020 but there there had been um a parliamentary discussion on the fact that you know the nhs you know bless its soul for for what it's been doing for us for so many years now was struggling with certain types of conditions certain mm -hmm. types of people and it just didn't a have the resources b have the kinds of specialisms that that needed to deal especially with some of those chronic conditions and that the complementary health sector was actually the answer to that yeah because it gave people that space that time that variation in approach that could then uh, work with the things that they had in a way that the nhs wasn't as well geared towards absolutely so i think that's become a really important thing for me is the fact that we've got to look at what a structure like the nhs is great at doing and let it do that and then look yes. at what structures like the kinesiology is good at and other manual therapies and other uh, complementary therapies what they're great at and let them do that 
and, mm. and not not for us you know and not for a minute do i think that i replace a gp or that i replace a you know a medical professional in the nhs but i do compliment them and the things that they're not good at dealing with i might be great at dealing with and so when when we start to understand that there is that combined role and that we do have a place and a purpose within that and we can make a massive difference to this country it, it's great that organizations like the kinesiology mm. federation like the apnt you know, BCMA, all of the organizations mm. that are working with that are there just to help the health of the nation. And that's our real driving force. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God, I absolutely agree with everything you've just said. Um, you know, I'm a huge believer in the NHS and what the NHS is capable of doing. I'm also a huge believer in what we do. And, you know, my wife works for the NHS. And, um, uh, and I mentioned earlier on about when my, my daughter was ill and the, the trauma I had with that. Um, well, the illness she had, there was no way she would have survived without the NHS, you know, and I, I always say the NHS saved her life. She would not have survived. And I also say that I don't think she would have been as healthy and, and recovered as quickly as she did had she not had all the energy work that was going on at the same time. It's like the energy work alone was not going to save her life. It couldn't yeah. have done the NHS on its own would not have had had her recover as well and effectively as she did on on its own you know they they marveled at how quickly she recovered and you know they, they said there would be stuff going on for the rest of her life and she would always need checkups well they stopped when she was two because they couldn't find anything wrong with her you yeah. know it's it's I, I just you know I, I I just think I would love to see the two things come together and absolutely support each other and I just think it would just the nation's health would benefit so so much yeah yeah and, and like everything as well it's about finding that appropriate balance it's around finding shared language and shared agreement around certain areas to make sure that you know when when we are getting referrals you know and we do get referrals from from medical clinicians but i find that they tend to know us personally from yes. that point of view so they already understand how we're working as individual therapists and they feel confident within that then to refer down to us. Whereas to, to be able to create a, a blanket referral system in the NHS, you know, we're, we're still at a level, I think, where we're, we're bringing training and standards and belief system and language up to a level that can be accepted by a mainstream model like the yeah. NHS. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, everything is moving in the right direction, obviously much slower than we would like, but that's, that's, that's the nature of it, isn't it? <laughs> look at Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> Please, let's not look at Brexit. <laughs> so, um, so what last thing I want to talk about future really, uh, Phil, is, is the future. You know, so what, what are your plans at the moment? Where do you see what you're doing going uh, over the next uh, few years? And, and what's kind of got you fired up and excited mm. uh, within within life in the future? Yeah, I guess, are we talking sort of individually, my, what, what I would like to be doing or where I see kinesiology going? Both. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, we've, we've, we've kind of touched on that, I guess, where kinesiology is going in the same way that we would like all uh all therapies to go that it would become more mainstream more accepted but also have that feed in from the from the nhs and support the nhs as well um i i think um in in terms of of, of me personally at the moment i'm i'm still i still love doing one-to-one -one work but i think ultimately i would i would like to sort of branch out and i don't know about doing workshops and motivational speaking doesn't seem quite the thing but somehow engaging with more people at once rather than just doing the one-to-one -one. um you know whether it's demonstrations or or live workshops or or something i don't know but yeah i feel that um as i as i progress through i would like to be perhaps more visible in what i do um and and reach a, a, a wider uh audience in in one go but in in, in how that's going to happen or, or what's going to happen i don't know but you know that's that's kind of what i would like um in terms of books and 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 things like that and teaching i've been asked whether i, I would like to teach and the thought of teaching in itself is 
is good. I think I could teach practitioners, but as we mentioned earlier on, <laughs> before we started the podcast, there's all the practical aspects and the admin aspects of, of teaching, which I'm less infused by. Um, so, that, but, but again, you know, the idea is there, the, 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 the seed is there, so it, it might lead that way. And, and I, I think at some point I, I would like to at least have a stab at writing a book, even if it's just one I ever I end up writing for myself. I, I would like to get my experiences down and you know what I've learned about this world and and just just see where it goes you know I I, I just think um I, like I said for my own sake I feel I need to record it at some point because the last what what's it been 14 years since my first session you know it's just been the most incredible ride um you know I, I kind of didn't really say when I got into kinesiology I went obviously with a physical thing but it was I didn't realize how much anxiety I had how little self-confidence and self-worth I had how angry I was you know I I you know at the time you, when you're living your life you just kind of that is your life um but you know, looking back, I think, God, I, I was, I did have such a hard time. I was having panic attacks and, you know, palpitations. And to me, that just seemed normal. And, you know, just my life was so, so small. You know, it was like, it was fine. It did what it needed to do. But it was, I, I, everything was so carefully structured to keep me as safe as possible. And, and I guess like when I was saying about the, the health kinesiology menu, which was all boxes and I took the sides off, it became a structure that I'd just been living in boxes mm. and um, it just opened up this incredible world for me, but also one that I'm then able to share in some ways with other people. And that keeps me fired up, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. And, you know, to totally feel you on the whole admin thing as well when it comes to teaching. If there's one thing that I would always happily do less of, it's admin and paperwork. Uh, and you know, if anybody from TED Talks is listening, Phil and I are both available, you know, because that's not quite a workshop, not quite teaching, kind of public. Yeah, yeah, there's something in there. I reckon I reckon we could, you know, get a stand up or something. We could, we could work something yeah, out. Stand up musical interludes as well. We could Absolutely. Yeah. I've got a few impressions I can do. Yeah. A bit of vaudeville. That's what we want. <laughs> I think it would be beautiful. Excellent. <laughs> Phil, thank you so much for, for joining me here on the Integral Health Podcast today. If people want to get in touch with you and they want to connect with you and they'd like to come and see you for work, where can they do that? Uh, my website is www.philclubley.co.uk. Um, so there's information on there and details of getting in touch. Um, I can be found all over Facebook and Instagram. Um, so Facebook, I think it's Phil Clubley Kinesiology and Instagram is philclubley.kinesiology. Um, and there's, yeah, hopefully stuff on there that, that people might find of interest. Um, but yeah, always available for a chat. <laughs> Thank you. And we'll make sure that the links for all of your uh, your Insta, your Facebook and your website are all in the description for the podcast today. So if you want to get in contact with Phil, all you need to do is click through to those links. I can highly recommend it. Physically, Phil, you're over in Humberside, aren't you? So if people want to come and see you, that is the location for them to jump in and find you. Uh, yeah, I'm over in, in Anlaby. I work from a, a wonderful little clinic called the Injury Clinic. Um, which again, it's a nice little collective of people doing different things. And uh, it's, it's just good to see people doing physical therapy, people doing, uh, you know, energy work and it all coming together in a, in a, in a collective whole. Yeah, beautiful. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Phil. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for joining the Integral Health Podcast today. Oh, thanks, Ben. And for everything you've, you've done on, on my journey as well. Thank you. Yeah, always really appreciated. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. This is Ben Calder on the Internet Health Podcast, and we'll look forward to seeing you in the future for another edition. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Have a great life. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.